anything that's out of the ordinary, um, any firsts, anything that is new, um, the best. So it, it's called the est factor, you know, right. the newest, the best, the first, you know. <laughs> so anything like that. Um, yeah, any sort of crazy idea. Hey gang, welcome back to the show. It's fabulous to have you joining me again this week. I think I say this pretty often, but I always feel really grateful that you guys choose to spend a little bit of time with me, listening to me prattle on. Um, and I know it's not always me prattling on that you tune in um, to listen to. I know that it's uh, often our fabulous guests. And that's um, a pretty nice little segue into this week's fabulous guest. So this is going to be a really valuable and very interesting topic because um, I'm joined by Ellen Hill from Deep Hill Media, who's a public relations and media relations specialist. Uh, She's got a background in journalism and works largely with the tourism sector, but uh, I think you know, has some skills across a whole lot of different market sectors, which we're really keen to hear about today. Um, I'm excited to have Ellen on the show and also really privileged to be working with her on a big project at the moment. So, Ellen, welcome to the mashup. Thank you very much, Simon. It's great to be here. Um, hey, I'm, I'm really stoked to be talking about PR and media relations today because I think there's probably a bit of uncertainty you know, with a lot of people about what it is and, you know, they think it's just for big companies or they think it's just for fixing problems. Oh, God, we've got an issue. We've got to do some PR. And it's totally yeah. not that. And we're going to jump in and I'll get you to give us the rundown of what PR and media relations actually are shortly. But before we do that, we love to get a bit of background on our guests and find out who it is that we're talking to. So, Ellen, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in Deep Hill Media. Uh, so thank you, Simon. Um, yeah, so as you mentioned, I'm a journalist by trade. Um, I started off with a cadetship at the local paper, which was the Penrith Press uh, for me back in the early to mid-90s. Um, I think you and I were working in opposition newspapers at, at one point um, <laughs> over the years. So you were in advertising, I was in editorial. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but before that, I actually started off as an editorial assistant at Reader's Digest magazine uh, in the oh, city. Which, there's a name. Um, it was, and it's a great door opener. It's like, you know, those those great names, Woolworths, McDonald's, mm. you know, all of that, um, which is, you know, how, how um, I got a, a cadetship at, with News Limited. It was um, that that big name door opener mm. that, that, you know, helped there. Um, but working at the Penrith Press really gave me an all-round um, news background of everything from political doorstops to, you know, um, hard news, um, council rounds, police, you know, as well as the features and history and real estate copywriting and entertainment and even sports. So, wow. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, and um, I'm grateful every day for for that, you know, all round 
background um, because you can turn your head and your mind to whatever you need to. Um, and with a big project like Winter Sports World, you know, that covers a whole lot of different subjects and, um, and you know, we'll, we'll be exploring a lot more over the next couple mm. of years. So to get so your head around all of that. Yeah. Sorry, just, just for the listeners, Winter Sports World, for those who aren't familiar, is a project that we're working on together and it's going to be, by the time it's built, probably a half a billion dollar indoor snow and ski resort and it's just epic. Um, yes. So, yeah, that's so exciting. <laughs> yes, it's hugely exciting. Um, yeah, so... Um, my husband, who is a professional photographer, um, he and I worked together at the Penrith Press um, and we took voluntary redundancy from News Limited in 2009. Mm-hmm. We um, wrote a coffee table book together um, about wow. people who overcame adversity um, with some local um uh, characters um, and a few few others. Um, we then um, ended up one day in tourism PR um, with. <laughs> it just happened. <laughs> it just happened. I don't know how it happened, but it happened. Um, yeah. So and then we had to try to pivot. You know that that mm. great COVID term mm. um, pivot into PR. Um, and uh, we we decided that we we're going to do things our way, not the old-fashioned yeah, traditional PR way, um, because it wasn't planned, and um, we couldn't change who we were. Or, but we decided you don't want to, to either. No, 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 I don't think that comes across as authentic, and mm. um, it, it doesn't, you know, he- help with outcomes if you're not true to who you are yeah 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 and so here it is deep hill media media relations public relations largely in i guess that that sort of tourism sector probably because it's something that you know you're passionate about and who wouldn't we who wouldn't be don't yeah. we love to travel oh yes. gee, we would didn't we miss that during covid too <laughs> we realized how good it was and had it ripped away from us yeah um, indeed yeah. So what have been, you know, you mentioned that you've done a coffee table book about people who've overcome adversity. What were the challenges and what was the adversity for you guys in starting a business in, you know, what, what can be, I guess, a pretty particular space? Like if you don't know all the editors and know the journalists, it can be pretty hard to get traction. So what were the challenges for you in overcoming that in starting, you know, a not, not the traditional PR type business? I guess uh, it it took us about eight years to realise that we were actually business owners. We were in business. Um, And (laughs) so, well, we knew that we could take photos, that we could write, we could interview, we could do all of that. But we had to make money and we had to run our business. So it took a long time and a lot of um, searching around local um, business groups um, mm-hmm. just to find the right advice, the right encouragement and, and yeah. the right guidance, you know, and thankfully the penny did fall into place one day 
and <laughs> we could start putting food on the table. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That's going to resonate so powerfully with so many people who are listening to this because we all start a business. Well, most of us don't start a business to make money. We start yeah. a business because we're good at something or we're passionate or we see an opportunity to help people. And the, the money, we, we kind of, we don't, we almost feel guilty about making money out of it. And the reality is that if we aren't profitable, we can't help anybody. Absolutely. So you're right. And I think it takes, like you, it takes a lot of people a long time to realize that, shit, this is not a job. This is a business. And I've got bills that need to be paid. And I and profit's not a dirty word. And I need to make mm. enough money to be able to do my job properly, to be able to you know, have the best resources and to be able to deliver the best service. You've got to be profitable. So I think yeah. that is going to resonate with a lot of people um, who who are listening. Yeah, well, I hope so. And I hope a lot of people can avoid the pitfalls that, you know, we, we have sort of stumbled into. <laughs> oh, I'm not, it's too late for some of us. Like we've been there too. <laughs> oh, definitely there. Far out. Um, so media relation or, or um, yeah, media relations, public relations, what is it? Give us a definition of what that actually is because I think there's, you know, a lot of misunderstanding around what that is. Yeah, so... Uh, it, um, it encompasses a lot of things. So um, with our particular um, skill set, we choose to focus on copywriting, um, media releases, um, working on those relationships with mm -hmm. journalists and distributing information about um, other people's businesses. Yeah. Um, we also um, organise... Uh, trips and um, itineraries for uh, travel riders who come and visit mm -hmm. uh, where we're based in the Blue Mountains. Yeah, um, yeah so I, I guess it's it's in the name, public relations, but we're, we're sharing information and a message mm -hmm. about your business with the public through mm. our journalist friends. Okay, Um because I think, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, public relations or PR is something that you do when you're in the shit and you need to fix it. You know, Exxon Valdez spilled, you know, a billion gallons of oil and destroyed the natural habitat or Nestle got busted selling dodgy baby food to China. Oh, better do some PR. And it's kind of too late then, isn't it? It is too late. Um, um, and I think the successful... Um, uh, crisis communications like with the, the cruise ships over the, the mm. COVID thing, um, they were able to come back from that because of the relationships that their public relations team have with journalists already. Mm. Um, and I had a little bit of a taste of that in the 2013 bushfires in the Blue Mountains um, where we actually asked visitors not to come to the Blue Mountains Mm. Um, for one day um, and it was interesting because as soon as we pressed send on that media release we had a flood of phone calls and text messages and emails from all the travel writers in our database saying this is terrible news let us know what we can do to help you when you know people can come back yeah, um, right. And that's what we were relying on. So mm. for the next 12 months after that, 
We yeah. had stories about the Blue Mountains coming out of our ears because of those relationships. Yeah, so, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, so PR should never be seen as a quick fix to a problem or 15 minutes of fame. So I am a firm believer in in that PR should be the constant drip feed over a, a long time. So a little bit of something all the time being rolled out. Yeah, right. So very, very similar to one of the core principles of marketing, which is yes. consistency. Yes. Just got to be there all the time. Um, and so I guess from an advertising perspective, that means you know having some kind of messaging in the market all the time. And from a PR yeah. perspective, I guess that means like maintaining those relationships with whomever the you know those those key stakeholders yeah absolutely yeah so then as as a small business operator you know because it is easy to look at pr and think oh that's not for us you know that's for that's for the big brands of the world that's for apple and microsoft and the big brands of the world what does pr and media relations look like for a small business I think PR, uh, uh, as well as marketing, it's what you can afford when you can afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, PR starts with your free stuff. It starts with your, you know, social media presence um, and talking to your customers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, y- you would see that in marketing. Um, yeah. it- it's about contacting the local paper about, you know, what whatever news that you have coming up. Um, because I know, having worked in a local paper, I know that the big guys at the big publications are watching the small and independent media. Um, oh, so you, you, yeah. So when, when I was a cadet, um, um, we knew that the cadets at the big papers in town were standing at the end of our presses, picking off our papers every week before we even saw them. Um, and going through them looking for story leads. So that still happens um, today, but not in its physical, you know, form. They're sort of combing social media pages. Um, So everything you put on social media as a small business, um, you need to realise that it's in the public space. So when you see bad news stories in the press, um, it's, filled with, you know, information that a journalist has mined from someone's social media account Um, and whether that's their personal account or, you know, the the cake shop account, Mm. (laughs) um, it's all of that information there. Um, Yeah. Actually, I just let's drill down into that for a second because that's a really, really interesting point and I think something that we probably don't think about is that the journalist's at any publication or any news outlet, you know, whether it's a national news outlet or, you know, a major magazine or newspaper, they're just people like us who probably got a boss saying you need to bring me a decent story. And so they're looking for content ideas as well, aren't they? So if if you can, I guess, understand that and think about what you're putting out into the world from that perspective, you know, if I'm thinking of this as potentially something that's going to get picked up, how do I make a journalist's job easy to one find it and two utilize it so i'm more likely to get exposure than somebody else is that 
kind of fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, right. so, yeah. So, so, they're, so they're using places like social media channels, um, which I guess Twitter is, is a popular one for for um, journos, as yes. I guess almost their funnel. Like they're looking for story ideas. They're, they're scrolling through it and combing through it, thinking, oh, that sounds interesting. So so then how do we think like a journalist? Um, or or what, what would be a better question would be, what kind of things are they looking for and what's likely to pique their interest? I think um, anything that's out of the ordinary, um, any firsts, anything that is new, um, the best. So it, it's called the est factor, you know, right. the newest, the best, the first, you know. <laughs> so anything like that. Um, yeah, any sort of crazy idea. Um, and what about, what about um, um, I guess, seasonal things as well? Like at certain times of the year, um, I guess particular types of stories are more relevant. So... I guess it yes. would be important to, to be mindful of that too. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, you know, seasonal, but, um, you know, big events that happen, mm. you know, just like Vivid or triathlons or mm. Um, mm. Christmas, Easter. Yeah. Um, yeah, just pushing your, um, your new menus or your specials or uh, events yeah. out on social media and to the local news as well yeah um you mentioned that we were both kind of in in um, newspapers at similar times and you were in editorial i was in ad sales and i know that the editor particularly if we would come to them you know come to the editor with something that you know we thought might have been of interest he would look at it very critically and go that's not newsworthy that's an ad like that's how advertising works sell them an ad um so where's that where's that line you know, when does, when does a journo or when do you guys look at something and say, you know what, that's not really newsworthy, that's just, yep. that's just you promoting something? I think that's become harder and harder to find that line. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody years ago explained the difference between marketing and PR as PR tells, marketing sells. Um, and, and that was um, a very sort of simplified um, explanation to me at the time but then you look at the pages of your favorite magazines and and sections in newspapers and and websites mm. and it's become increasingly difficult to tell what is created content or sponsored content that is paid for by a big company or a small one mm. um yeah, so you have real estate agents putting out lifestyle magazines. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so they're often written, stories are written in a way that it reads like editorial. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and, yeah, and small businesses can do that as well um, because that is the new trend. It's the, You've got content agencies creating whole magazines for mm. people like Medibank and Booper and, you know, um, yeah, Qantas in, in, in Flight, flight magazine. Magazines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, I think the way that we do it now is, way, is far more sophisticated. But it that is. Kind of, but that kind of trend, 
And it almost started back, I guess, 50s or 60s with Eugene Schwartz, you know, I think yeah. is, is, is one of like the most famous examples of that. And some of the advertising mm-hmm. that they were putting out then was very close to what we would call advertorial now. Um, so is that then, I guess, where the est factor comes in? Like if you, if you pitch something to the paper and it's just a promo, we'll then buy an ad. But if there's something new about it, which they haven't maybe seen before, then that's yes. when you're likely to, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's right. And, but rather than sell, um, you uh, um, talk about something new or um, different about your business or a product that you have, um, even backstories about yourself um, or an experience that you've had that is relevant to the business that makes your business appealing because you're an interesting person. So. Yeah. You know, you might have climbed Mount Everest and, you know, um, that um, um, that uh, has an impact on your philosophy and how your customer service. Um, and, and you can talk about that in, in your PR messaging as well. Yeah, right. So it's all about how you, I guess, position it. You know, in, in in advertising terms, we would talk about positioning the offer in terms of finding something that's unique about it or, you know, how are you communicating the most important elements to your reader or to your listener. And, that's right. Um, yeah. And so I guess then the small business owner um, or, you know, somebody like you, if they're working with an agency to help them, um, has to think about two sort of customers i suppose don't they like who's the end reader of this but also i'm really selling it to the editor or the journalist to get that. that's right if it's if it's you know like media pr as opposed to just putting it on my own social i'm really thinking about them and what's going to you know what are the hot buttons and the triggers for them aren't i that's right yes so um, it, it's about forming those relationships um, and and creating that those interest touch points with a particular journalist. So um, while while I do send out media releases to yeah. three thousand journalists, yeah. often the most effective um, um, coverage is when I send um, a media release or. Um, a personalised email to one journalist with reasons why they should cover this story or include this person as a source in a story. Um, so it, it's all about relationships. It's So if you have a plumbing business yeah. and, you know, you, you want traction, it's about finding those journalists who write about plumbing issues, about you know, bathroom interiors and, you you know, um, lifestyle journalists and, you know, Country Style magazine um, Mm -hmm. and tracking them down and, you know, seeing what they're interested in and what they're they're writing about, what's coming up on their agenda. Um, A lot of magazines have um, uh, a schedule in advance of what they're going to be including in their magazine. So you might have a new, you know, tap fitting that you've invented or designed um, that looks amazing. Um, So the average pages in the Daily Telegraph may not be interested in that, 
but um, you know there might be a trade journal that um, would would really be interested in that. Mm. And so it's under it's then understanding, you know, not just what you as the business owner want out of this. It's what's the the journalist or the contact at the other end. What do they want out of it, and how are you helping them achieve yes. what they need to achieve, which is you know getting a story for the boss or filling column centimeters or whatever it might be. If you can understand yes. that, yeah, yeah, and then, that's right. Yeah, and so then if I'm if I've got something that I think is newsworthy and I want to pitch it and I manage to track down a couple of people I think are relevant, what are the important elements of my media release um, or, the mo- or the most important elements, I guess, if, if you can, yeah. if there are. Um, so in the first two paragraphs is the entire story. Who, right. what, when, <laughs> where and why. <laughs> okay. We all have short attention spans. Get to the point. We do. And, yep. you know, journalists and editors receive um, hundreds of emails a day. Um, I know I my inbox and yours is the same probably at, you know, minimum 100 emails a day. So, you know, I, I don't read them all. Mm. Um, and and I'm still a working journalist, so I, I re- one of my email addresses still receives lots of press releases. And mm-hmm. if the head, heading doesn't pique my interest, I don't read beyond that. Um, For if anyone it does, listening, Ellen reads all her emails. She promises. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if it's not in the first paragraph, I'm not going to read the rest of it. Yeah. Um, if it's not of interest or relevance to a story that I'm doing or or and going to do, yeah. um, you know. So if, if you're if you're an editor at um, the Sydney Morning Herald, mm. it's got it's got a flag as an interest immediately, or it yeah. just gets binned. Yeah, yeah. So whatever's your est factor needs to be in your headline. And yes. then everything that's relevant needs to be in the first couple of paragraphs. Yes. Or, or you've missed out. This is a sales pitch, really. You're selling your your media real estate or your story. Absolutely. So, um, and even if you don't um, write anything else after that, mm-hmm. um, as long as the journalist has a contact of somebody who is articulate, um, yeah. and knowledgeable about the business and, and the subject that that you're trying to talk about, yeah. um, you know, to be able to be quoted to them, quoted um, by them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm, your, your media releases um, are fabulous, by the way, which I think is obviously helped by the fact that you're a journalist, so you know how to, you know, write a compelling um, argument or story. But the other thing that's great about your media releases is how complete they are with contact details, with links for more information, and with images. And images is a huge thing. Um, A lot of journalists won't even consider a story without pictures. So if you don't have pictures, um, that reduces your um, not only your impact but your chance of getting the story picked up by a journalist at all in a lot of cases. Yeah, because um, it's not just about, like we talk about, you know, PR and media as though it's the newspaper or the magazine, but it's not. It's online, 
almost yeah. first and foremost now. Yes. And all the social media platforms, you know, the news outlets are heavily using X, mm. formerly known, the artist formerly known as Twitter. Um, I don't know if they're using threads, but they're using Facebook, they're using Instagram, they're using all of the platforms and they're yeah. all image driven. So if you're not supplying them with images to use, even, you know, even when I receive one of your media releases in order to create something for Winter Sports World, the fact that there's really high quality images is brilliant. It means I don't have to go searching for them. So hot tip, no image, no success pretty much, yeah? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and just having having those contact details um, so somebody can ask you questions. Um, if you're not willing to answer questions, don't send out a media release. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because because each of the outlets, I'm like some of them will pick up and run the media release, bog standard as it is, no problem. Yes. But some of them, particularly the, I guess the more reputable um, outlets, want something unique in their story that the other publishers don't have. Yes. And so they might want to ask you some specific questions in order to tailor the content a bit. Is that is that right? Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so make sure you're contactable too. Don't put a mobile number down and don't answer it. No, that's right. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I write media releases like they're ready-made stories, mm. which works for me, but you don't have to. Um, as, as long as the, the relevant information is there yeah. um, and a contact for the journalist to call. Yeah, okay. And so in the interest of building relationships, is it is it at all worth people reaching out, you know, local businesses, for example, reaching out to their local newspaper just to start the relationship? Or do they actually need to have something to pitch? Because it kind of then feels a bit like, you know, if I was the journalist, I'd be, I'd be like, well, you only want something from me. You only want one thing, you know, <laughs> um, as opposed. But then if I receive something in my inbox and there is no story, I'm like, why are you contacting me? Oh, yeah, I get that's right. 100 emails a day. So, like, well, yeah. yeah, so I guess that's a question. What's the right approach? Yeah, so, um, again, it's all about relationships. So if if you want to start that relationship with a journalist, you know, take notice of what they're writing about, what they're, um, you know, if they've had a, a news piece on um, Win TV or something, you know, just send them a little email. Oh, I really liked that piece you did on, you know, the Elvis Festival at Parks, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Elvis, you know, can't wait till next year. Um, and just, you know, every three or yeah. four months just send a little email. So when... When you do have a new story or a new product um, or, you know, yeah. have expertise in a story that, that is broken in the area that you would like to make a comment on, yeah. you've already got that existing relationship with a journalist and you can ring up and or email and go, oh, hey, I, I noticed that there's um, this happening in town. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a history with, with this and I know some information or I'm willing yeah. to give my opinion about mm. what the mayor said or did or yeah. whatever yeah. Um, if, if you need someone. And they, they may go, oh, great, we were looking for some mm. different voices, you know, can yeah. we send a camera crew out to, to your establishment? 
Yeah, perfect. And and I guess it's easier now than it has been in the past because we can follow a particular journo on their socials and we can comment and we can engage and so that they, they see our name and they see our profile. And then when they yes. do receive something, it's, you know, it's not the first time they've heard from us, I guess. That's right. You know, it, it, it's, you know, you've got to be careful not to stalk as well. <laughs> it's a I fine line, isn't it? <laughs> it is a fine line. <laughs> Once a week is too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So comment on the story. You know, don't don't comment on loved your hair and makeup. That's a no. bit creepy <laughs> and stalkery. You know. Okay, good. Hot tip there, people. Um, <laughs> now, there's there's a couple of I guess websites or platforms where journalists might go in order to look for sources. So you know, the couple that I'm aware of are Source Bottle. And Haro, which is um, help a reporter out for anybody who's not familiar with that. Yeah, are, are they are they kind of worthwhile places for pe- people to sign up to? Because there's free, like you don't have to pay for them. You can if you want them to actively pitch you, I believe. Mm. But um, like there's free versions of that where you can just get alerts. Yes, so um, I use Source Bottle quite often um, mm-hmm. and I've had really good results from that um, at, as a journalist. So, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So so they're, they're legit? Um, yes, yes, they are. Um, and I recently heard a podcast um, featuring the lady who set up Source Bottle. So, oh, wow, that'd uh, be interesting. Yeah, yeah, so it was on the Content Bite mm-hmm. Um yeah, podcast. So yeah. that's for journalists and content writers. But um, yeah, so cool. I think nearly all the mainstream media, you know, um, are signed up to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I know. I know. I, I met a journo through there. I saw a call out for something, um, and I've had a few things published as a result of that. And one of them was like for Afterpay in the US. Yes. And I'm like, you know, I'm just this little agency guy and, and that came out of it. So for small business owners, yeah, there are genuine um, news outlets looking for comment from real people. So don't feel yeah, like, they are. yeah, that you can't respond to them. Yes. Yeah. Um, but we don't all want to do it ourselves. PR, yes, you know, for a really small business, maybe it's something that they might want to dabble in. But what's mm-hmm. what are the differences in um, res- like response rates from journos particularly um, but in terms of the quality of coverage you might get trying to DIY this versus working with someone like you for example I think it depends on the industry mm-hmm. and it depends on the piece of news that you're trying to um, to distribute so some journalists don't appreciate the scatterfire approach of an agency or a professional PR sort of sending out to 3,000 contacts. Mm-hmm. Um, but others, um, yeah, re- really appreciate that uh, one-on-one relationship building. Um, I think the, the difference between... A professional is that we know how journalists work. We know, mm. you know, when when is the perfect time to send out a press release. Um, if you're going to do the scatterfire approach, um, when is the best time to send out 
you know, a press release that coincides with um, the daily news conference in big newsrooms. And when a journalist's at the pub and you're not going to reach them, um, you know, (laughs) when's a good time of year, what's happening in, in the bigger scheme of things and how do individual journalists like to be um, like to be contacted. Mm. Um, so mm. if you really have your heart set on a particular journalist, um, but you know that they best respond to text messages not sent to anyone else, then, you know, you've got to have experience to know that. Yeah, and I guess you need to some degree to understand how the news cycle works too. You, yes. know, you don't want to be sending out something with regard to a story that maybe isn't big when there's just been a massive breaking news story because guess what it's not a it's not a a slow news day so you're getting pushed to the bottom of the pile today so having some of that understanding probably helps as well it does i mean Mm. um it's about sort of having that long-term strategy as well that not every piece of news that you send out is going to be picked up Mm. um but it Mm. doesn't mean necessarily that people aren't taking notice of it or your business name um it's about that building up that portfolio um i mean some journalists would you know sock a press release away in a folder for a rainy day or Mm -hmm. you know until they get enough contacts together and sources for this particular story or um you know if, if they're yeah. Um, so that that's a really interesting point, though. So if your media release that you're sending out is time critical, you need to be really clear about that. Hey, you don't want a journalist picking yes. it up in six weeks' time and going, I've got nothing to write about today. Where's that thing? That, yeah. that little business sent me. I'll publish that. And whatever it was about, it's too late now. Yeah, well, if you're having, you know, a, a fundraiser for Daffodil Day, you know, next Tuesday... You, you need to send it out well in advance, you know, probably about two weeks in advance. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, and, and I would mark the um, I would mark the email time sensitive and even put that mm-hmm. in cap- mm-hmm. capital letters. Yeah, because if it's, I mean, something like that, hopefully the journal would be across the fact that, oh, Daffodil Day was three weeks ago. But if it's a yes. new product that you're bringing to market, for example, um, yeah. you know, and you need for some reason it needs to be announced at a particular time. You don't want that getting announced six weeks later. It's like, no. well, it's too late. You know, we, yes. We've done that. So, yeah, clearly market, yeah, time sensitive. And time on the, sensitive, yeah. And on the other side of that, what about um, something that, because you, you, what am I trying to say? We want to make sure that the journalists have got enough time to do something with whatever it is that's being sent out. But what about if you don't want it run just yet? If you're like, I want to get this in front of people so they've got time to think about using it, but I don't want this announcement made just yet. I don't want it in the public sphere just yet. Yeah, so um, you you can mark your press release um, embargo mm. and then put a date on that. So, you know, embargoed until, you know, Tuesday, February the 6th at 3 p.m. Mm. Um, and most um, most journalists will honour that um, because they know that if they don't honour that, then you won't trust them. Yeah, in the future. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so if I've got something that is genuinely, you know, 
ESTI worthy, new and exciting, and I don't yeah. want my competitors to know about it yet. I don't want it in the media, but I yeah. want to get it in front of that journalist so I don't send it to them and they're like, I oh, wish you had sent me this yesterday. Yes, that's right. Because yeah. our deadline was, you know, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> a couple of hours before that, yeah. we missed the deadline. So, yeah, yes. yeah, or I've got something that I'm going to use already for that particular topic this week. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And I've got an example. Um, um, mm. I, I won't, you know, say um, the details, but mm. you know, there's a new product in um, um, in a region that I'm working with that. Mm-hmm won't be launched until the end of February and I've got a journalist sort of coming up um, to experience that mm. um, and she's got all that information and the photos and everything to go with it yeah. because we know that the magazine isn't going to publish until slightly after the launch date. But if we didn't give her all of that information, then it would have um, missed the deadline for that publication, which is the ideal target market for this product. So, um, you know, it's about, again, relationships and having those conversations and agreements and negotiating those those timelines. Mm. And knowing that as well. Yes. And and, and knowing things like, oh, a magazine that's published on this date, depending where they print it, might have a deadline six weeks before that. Yes, that's right. Because um, there are offshore printers now who have like 10, 12-week lead times and so you can't approach them, you know, three weeks out. It's too late. Not too yeah, late. that's right. Yeah, so, so you guys uh, know all those things. Yes, and a lot of the um, the big publications have long lead times, you know, up to mm. 6 to 12 months. So, um, wow. you know, you're looking at Vogue and Harper's Bazaar and, you know, all, all of those big ones, they, mm. um, yeah, they work a year in advance. Yeah, wow, okay. So you've really got to be organised, huh? Yes. If you're looking at those kind of publications. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, so that's, okay, so there's been some really awesome stuff in there um, and I'm, I'm conscious of our time too. Goodness, we've already been chatting for over 40 minutes. If, <laughs> <laughs> um, if you had one tip that you would give to a small business who's thinking, PR, I know it's important. I don't know where to start. What would be something small that they could do to just kind of get their ball rolling? I would just make sure that their socials are in order. Um, And look, that's something that Orbit Marketing can help them if they need (laughs) that, you know. (laughs) Um, I mean, you you can cobble it yourself um, for a little while, just get it going and then get a professional to sort of come in and make maybe do an audit and um, and give advice um, and then to start re- those relationships with your mm. local media. You know, just about every town has a local paper or newsletter, yeah. um, a radio station. ABC Radio has um, stations, you know, in all the regional centres of, of New South well, of Australia, mm. um, you know, even local TV stations but just get it going yeah that that's great advice and obviously we have a vested interest um in social media but yes get your social media in order make sure you're putting content on there regularly and follow the news outlets and the individual journalists that you're interested in and engage with their content as well so it's not just a one-way street make sure that it's a two-way street yeah that's right yeah um 
Hey, Ellen, lastly, if people want to follow you or follow Deep Hill Media, um, where do they find you and, and what are your socials that they can follow? Um, I personally am on LinkedIn um, and we also have a Deep Hill Media Facebook um, yep. profile and Instagram mm-hmm. and um, our website is deephill.com.au. Awesome. And I'll make sure that all of those links are in our show notes too for anybody who wants to follow along and um, and have a look and stay up to date with what you guys are doing. Hey, Wonderful. Ellen, that's been really awesome. Thank you for being so generous with your time and with your knowledge. I think there's some really great stuff in there for our business followers. So um, Ellen Hill, Deep Hill Media, thank you for joining me on the Marketing Mashup. Awesome. Thank you so much, Simon. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss a single episode. If you're ready for real growth in your business, visit us at orbitmarketing.com.au and ask how we can connect your brand with more of the clients you're looking for.